Hi, everybody. I hope you're all doing well. I want to thank you for joining us today. My name is Joe Orico, and this is the Fantasy MLB Today podcast, which is brought to you by Sports Ethos. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's at J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. And you can also go ahead and follow the Ethos Fantasy BB Twitter account, which is where we're going to be posting this show from as well as other fantasy baseball-related content throughout the season. Now, today we're going to start our position-by-position breakdown. We're going to start with the backstop, with catchers. And we're going to do one show for each position, and then we're going to do a couple of mock drafts. The one thing I'm deciding is I'm going to mix those mock drafts in with the positions. So I'll do like a catcher first base show, and then maybe a mock draft, and then go into the middle infield. I'm still debating the timing, uh, the order of everything. But those are the shows you're going to be getting up until the regular season, breaking down each position. And then I'm going to mock draft roughly the first 100 or so picks of the draft, according to how I see players performing this year. So that is how the next couple of weeks will break down. And then, of course, once the season starts, we'll get into more of a a recapping players to add, players to drop, that kind of thing. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, some DFS stuff for those of you who play daily fantasy sports. So we're going to start at the top, excuse me, we're going to start at the top and look at the catchers who performed from the best last season, and then we're going to work our way down. So we're going to start with Salvador Perez, who had a career year last year. He had 48 home runs, 121 driven in, and he batted 273, which is a fantastic batting average for a catcher. And he was far and away the most valuable catcher last year. He was the only catcher who ranked in terms of totals inside of the top 100. He was the 22nd ranked player on a, a total value basis last season. And the next highest rated catcher was Will Smith for the Dodgers. And he was at 173. So there is quite a bit of drop off in terms of the production you got last year from Salvi compared to the other catchers. <clears throat> now, he's being taken as pick 31. That seems incredibly high for someone who, like I said, had a career year, who is aging. He's into his 30s now. And you have to imagine playing time will continue to decrease for Perez as his career goes on. Can't really uh, expect that he's going to do this again. He led catchers in essentially every stat. He didn't quite have the highest batting average among catchers, but he was right up there. If you drafted Perez last year, you were well on your way to uh, making the playoffs and having a great season. But I don't think that we can look at that and expect it to happen again. Like I said, he's getting older. He's playing on a good uh, good young team in Kansas City. Not great, but they're, they're good enough. They should have some decent value if uh, Adalberto Mondesi can stay healthy, if Bobby Witt can perform like they expect him to. Then there should be some good value in that Kansas City lineup. Uh, but I wouldn't jump and use a third-round pick on Sal Perez. I think that is crazy, really considering there are catchers that are on the board until well into the 200s and into the 300s. So to use a third-round pick on uh, an older player who's not going to be playing every day, and that's a a major thing with catching too. You have to almost – you can stream the position, but it's almost good to have a second catcher there who has uh, a different positional eligibility. So someone who can play at first or in the rare instances where they play in the outfield – it's very good to have that versatility. It's something I've touched on on other positions, but you need to have someone who you can stick into that catcher slot for the days when the primary catcher will be sitting because no catcher is going to catch more than 
130. And that's probably about the upper limit, 130-ish games. So remember to try and have someone else who can fit into that catcher slot. Now, it's not a position that's given too much thought in terms of fantasy value. I actually played in a league with someone last year who didn't even have a catcher a lot of the season on their roster because there weren't many great options available on the wire. So they just set their lineup every day with no catcher, and they ended up winning the league, if I remember correctly. So there are ways to viably have a lineup where you don't really have to factor in uh, a very high draft pick into a catcher. So there's only three or four catchers going in the top 100. You don't have to take one of those catchers. We'll, we'll move down the lineup in a second. But my main point that I'm going to be making here today is to not really invest too much draft capital into a catcher. Um, and that, that especially goes for Salvador Perez because he's going in the third round. But that also applies to, I wouldn't really use a top 100 pick on a catcher. Uh, it's just kind of my philosophy that they don't really do much for your team. There's the odd catcher who is very rosterable, very playable, but there's only maybe eight of them or so. And before I move on to the next catcher, I'll talk about who will be Will Smith. Um, I just want to say that you guys should probably make sure that your league is just a one catcher league. If you have two catchers slots in your league, then you're going to be running out of catchers very quickly who have any kind of value whatsoever. A lot of them are platooning, so they'll play the odd uh, one every other day or something like that. So having those guys on your roster is really, really hard if you have two catcher slots. Even if you only have one catcher slot, that can be a huge pain to have to deal with. But if you have two slots where you have to find catchers for, I mean, let's say you're in a, a deep league, you're in a 16, 18 team league, then you got to have, you know, 30 some odd catchers rostered and there just aren't 30 some odd catchers that have fantasy value. There's maybe, maybe 20, maybe 20 that you could roster comfortably without them actually hurting your team. So that is that is something that you need to make sure of, that you have just one catcher in your league. Unless you're in a very, very shallow league, where you're maybe in an eight-team league, you can get away with two catchers. For the most part, I'm sticking with one. And I really need to cut down on these rambles because I want to get through as many catchers as I can today. So I spent much too much time on Salvi Perez. My apologies. Let's move on to Will Smith, who hit 25 home runs last year, 76 driven in, a 258 batting average. Really solid production out of a catcher. That is about as good as you're going to expect for your catcher. 25 homers, 75 RBIs. And despite that, he averaged, he was the 77th player for average value last year and 173rd for totals on Yahoo. So I don't really look at averages too much in terms of baseball. It's the only sport really where I don't as much look at averages. Cause I mean, if you're looking at what a guy averages for stolen bases and home runs, things like that, you're looking at fractions. It'll be 0.1 to 0.1 something just for, for Smith. For example, the home run average is 0.19, the runs 0.55. So I find it a lot easier to look at it on a total value basis in baseball. Just because there are so many games that the average does break down to all fractions and it you know you don't want to be doing math while you're doing fantasy baseball you're here for a good time you're not here to do calculus so we're trying to keep that as simple as we can for you to look at the totals 
because it really is an easier way to read it. And it honestly is a more accurate picture of the value because there will be players throughout the year who play in a couple games, a call up who hits a home run and they're the second player on average. They get sent down and now they're, they're stuck in that average area. That doesn't really have to affect you for totals. And it's kind of counterintuitive for uh, someone like myself who plays fantasy in every sport to look at average because, or sorry, to look at total because average is usually so much more accurate in terms of what you're going to get game to game. But that really matters more so in basketball and in football. In baseball, you're kind of looking for more generally how the guy has done on the season as opposed to the last week he's averaged 0.34 home runs as opposed to 0.19. It's, it's very hard to wrap your head around those kind of small figures. And again, I'm ranting and not talking about Will Smith. So Will Smith is in a fantastic lineup. Again, like every catcher, he won't play every single day, but that won't really matter. There will be tons of RBI and run opportunities, more so RBI because the guys, everybody in front of him in the lineup, you're looking at probably he'll be in the seven or eight slot and he might even bat nine, but it doesn't matter with the Dodgers. It really doesn't matter. <clears throat> they have one through nine depth. That makes anybody who plays consistently in that lineup a must-roster player. As of right now, as the season goes on, who knows, maybe we'll have some changes. But as of right now, I'd say everybody who has a starting job on the Dodgers is a must-roster player. I'm sorry, Gavin Lux, who's kind of had his job taken away from him this year. But Will Smith will certainly have a similar value to last year. The RBIs will probably be a touch higher than they were with 76 last year. Uh, just a little bit of a better lineup, obviously, with Freddie Freeman now. And you have to also figure Mookie Betts will be a bit better than he was last year. And a whole season with Trey Turner, that certainly can't hurt your lineup. So Will Smith this year is going around pick 60. Again, I don't really like picking a catcher in that range. And I feel like a lot of these guys will fall. Other than Perez, who had the crazy year, and with the possible exception of JT Realmuto, who we'll talk about in a second. These guys are going to probably not be inside the top 100, most of these catchers. So if you're jumping up, be very be very careful that you're not uh, overusing your draft picks on a guy like a Will Smith. You don't want to jump up into the 40s or 50s. You want to try and aim for a guy like that if he's fallen down in your drafts. So jumping up into the 50s to take him, I would not recommend. There's just too much more value on the table at that point in the draft. And there are a ton of catchers who are going after pick 100. And once they start going, they'll probably start going fairly quickly in your drafts because people will realize there's not too many catchers. So I'm really not sure how much research people will do before they head into drafts. Some people, they have spreadsheets open and some people, they just come up and they look at the highest ranked player when it's their turn to draft and they hit draft. If you're putting more nuance into it and putting more thought into it, I would try and avoid drafting a catcher in that first 100 pick range. So I'm not going to be drafting Will Smith where he is at the moment. If he falls into the 70s, 80s range, then you might have to consider it just because there is some drop off after those top three catchers. But you can make up that value if you're smart with your draft picks early on and you look at the skill sets of those catchers. It's more or less you're going to get a power hitter with a low average. It's not something that's too hard to replace. The only thing that's hard about it is the, the position. In terms of the production, it's not hard to replace. So I'd be, I'd be careful in terms of jumping up to draft Will Smith as well. And the same thing applies to JT Realmuto. 
who's going around pick 57. Now, the one difference with, with JT is that he actually steals bases. He stole 13 last year. And he's consistently around – he's over 10 most seasons for his career. So I'm not, uh, I'm not as worried about him because he will fill in that gap in steals where every other catcher essentially is going to be giving you a goose egg. So, I mean, with the great Phillies lineup that they have this year and the steals, I have all the catchers early on there. I think he would be the one that I feel comfortable drafting number one in terms of catchers. Not number one overall or anything. Please do not misunderstand. He's number one for me in terms of the catcher rankings, and a lot of that is because of his stolen base ability and because of the bats that Philly has added into their lineup this year. They added Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber which should add quite a bit of pop to that lineup, and it should help him with his runs and his RBI category. Now, the 263 average is, a, is slightly above average for a catcher, so we're, no complaints there. That seems to be okay for Real Muto. So um, 57, still a bit high for the ADP, but I would take him in the 60s probably somewhere. I know going against what I just said a minute ago, but just looking at how scarce the steals are in terms of the catcher position... If, if JT is sitting there in the 60-ish range, 70-ish range, then then give it a good thought. Give it some thought and see if there's other similar value in that range. He also has first base eligibility, which is huge. Um, but again, even as I say that I'm in favor of it, I don't want to... I don't want to jump too, too high on any catcher. It doesn't matter who they are. So cautiously draft around pick 70 or so if he's still there in your 6th, 7th round-ish. If you can get him there, then you've gotten a little bit of a steal perhaps. And if not, then there's still a ton of value down the board. Let's move on to Mike Zanino. He has fallen off uh, in drafts this year. He's going 236. And it's kind of understandable. He didn't have uh, a great season last year. The the great thing was that he had 33 home runs. Uh, Low batting average, low RBIs, no steals. So another guy, great year last year, catcher-wise, but he's going to be a late-round draft pick. Most of these catchers from here on out are not going to be high, high draft picks. Um, And by not high, high, I mean some of the top 200. Most likely they will be outside of that. Maybe some of them, so in total, there's nine catchers going inside the top 200, which is, it's not a lot. We all know this is not a lot. So there's not too much to talk about in terms of early value, uh, a player that other people are sleeping on, steal him, jump up to grab him kind of thing. There are, most catchers are going to be faded by most people going in, in the early rounds. So there will be a lot of value further down. And Zanino is one of those people with the potential so you could maybe hit in that same uh, in that same range again. It, it'll probably not be 33 because he did seem to have extra kick in his bat last year. Very powerful season. I wouldn't expect it to continue like that. So I mean, after pick 300, it's a, it's a it's a flyer and it's it could work out for your team. It could be a good home run addition. Let's go to Wilson Contreras. Again, uh, no complaints. He does steal like the odd bag. He had five steals last year. Fairly low run production with 21 home runs. Again, common theme, don't jump to get these guys. He's going around pick 123. 
yeah, it's okay. It's all right. The guy that I'm going to talk about after him, I would much prefer in that same range, who is Dalton Varsho for the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're being drafted within about seven picks of each other. If you have the choice, I would pick Varsho. And, and I'd pick him a major reason why is because he has eligibility in all of the outfield slots. So on those days where I've mentioned where you don't have someone to play um, another position, it doesn't have to necessarily be catcher, but you need to have positional versatility. It goes for all fantasy, but it goes especially hard in baseball because of these kind of situations. So, so when you have a guy like him that you can slot in in the other outfield slots and I think there's only one other catcher. I could be wrong about that. I'm thinking of Eric Haas with the uh, Detroit Tigers, who has outfield eligibility, who is actually somewhat relevant fantasy-wise. So if you do happen to have two catchers on your team, and that's one instance where you could maybe get away with having two catchers on your team where you just have a one-catcher system, is if you have a guy like Varsho who you can put in in different spots, and he's not going to kill you in the stolen base category. He gets... He had six last year. He had 11 home runs and 284 at-bats, so he has power potential. He's someone that I will be looking to draft this year. Um, Coming after pick 100, he's going off the board, 116. I like it. I like it a lot at that range. Once you get past Contreras and Varsho, there is about 40, 50, 60 picks now. Kiebert Ruiz is going in that range, but there's not a lot of catchers going after the 120-ish pick mark until about pick 200. So if you're in that range looking for a catcher, I think Varsho makes a lot of sense because even in the days when he's not catching, he may be in left field to give his knees a break. And you can still have him in your lineup in the catcher slot. And there's very few people that have that kind of value. Last year, it was Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who caught a couple years ago. I don't even remember. It was it was a small number of games that he caught, but he enough to give himself eligibility. And I had him as my catcher for the entire league last year in uh, one of my leagues. So you have to look for sneaky kind of value like that, where you can say, I got a left fielder, I got a shortstop who's playing catcher. That's You have to jump on that. Because for one, the major one is that those catchers who are just catchers don't play every day. And if you can have a guy like Kiner Falafa who played, I think, 160 games last year, or Dalton Varsho, who they can move around on the field to give his knees a break and DH and whatnot, while you still have him in your catcher slot, that is massive value for me. Just because of the scarcity of value in the catcher position. So when you have a guy who has, he can play at four positions, that's that's huge for me, especially when one of them is catcher. Let's move on. We are going to go to Yasmani Grindel, who had some injury troubles last year, but still ended up with a fantastic year. And he's someone to keep an eye on in points leagues and on base percentage leagues. Despite his low batting average, he does get on base quite a bit, does walk quite a bit. And he went deep 23 times in 279 at-bats. So that is elite power potential from the catcher slot. To go along with 62 RBIs, he's in a fantastic White Sox lineup. So it's it's a pretty safe pick around pick 100. Not bad. He can play first base as well. There's not many catchers where I'm going to be jumping on them and telling you to draft them. There's not many players like that at all, really. 
I don't want to be telling people to jump on a specific player and then have that player flop. So I'm being very careful with who I'm recommending to draft. I would recommend uh, Grandal, though. If you can get him in the hundreds, early hundreds range, that same kind of range as Varsho is going, except a little bit higher off the board, about uh, 15, 20 picks earlier. So Grandal is the preferred target probably out of those two, but it's really close, honestly. Just because you have the outfield uh, eligibility and the speed in Varsho, that's that's a huge thing for me. So I'm not I'm not going to be jumping up to grab Grandal if there's still a guy like Varsho on the board. If I can get Grandal, pick 100 and something, 110 in that range if he's fallen. I don't think he will in many cases, but there will be some spots where he falls and then you can get him uh, after pick 100, and he'll be a, a decent value at that pick for sure. Um, I want to move on. I want to try and get through as many guys as we can here. I, I need to work on spending less time on each individual player and giving you a quick hit as opposed to a longer breakdown, which is what I've been doing in these last few videos is the longer breakdown. So I need to change my, my mindset to just quick 30-second to a minute hits here. The next player, Tyler Stevenson, Cincinnati. He had 10 home runs, 45 RBIs, which is it's not great, but he did bat 286, so he does give you a high batting average out of the catcher slot. Not something you're going to see very often, and at pick 182, I think it's a fairly decent value. Let's move on. Eric Haas. I spent more time on the earlier guys as well, and those guys are the more prominent catchers, so as we move down, I'll spend less and less time here. Eric Haas is the other guy with outfield eligibility, and he is... Someone I'm not again. I'm not going to recommend you draft, but he's going to pick 327. It's a very low risk pick for a guy who had 22 homers. He drove in 61 and he stole a couple of bases for you. Plus, he has that catcher slash outfield eligibility. I think there's a ton of value in him. Personally, I pick what was it 343. Three, it's it's so 327. So you're essentially using one of your last picks on someone who may be able to sit in your catcher slot a lot of the year and hit you 25 home runs or so, steal an odd base, and be a valuable asset to your team with a low draft pick. I think that's something I have stressed, but I will continue to stress. Look for discounts. Look for players that are slipping. I look at why they're slipping, but if they're slipping for no good reason, like Eric Koss, I don't see why he should be drafted after pick 300. That makes no sense to me. A player like that, take a look at him. Put him on your watch list. See how he does in spring, which, I mean, if not doesn't really matter, but keep an eye on a guy like that heading into draft season for sure. Omar Narvaez, who was an all-star last year with Milwaukee. Again, decent late round uh, value, 275. He's going off the board. 11 homers, 50 RBIs, 266. Standard catcher production with a slightly above average catcher batting average. A good pick in that range. Uh, a good, a, a decent pick in that range, 275. Yaddy Molina, we got one more year of Yaddy Molina. And, you know, he's actually not terrible in terms of his value. I mean, in term, as far as catchers go, 11 homers last year, 66 driven in. He stole three bases, remarkably, and he batted 252. So about par for the course. Again, not going off the board particularly high. Pick 304. It's not something... Uh, none of these catchers are going to be really hurting you in this range. They're going to be, 
you know, there's going to be a lot of catchers on the waiver wire. Not that they'll be necessarily great, but there will be a lot of options to choose from if you do find that you either ignored the position or you're drafting someone really late. So I wouldn't worry too, too much. Yaddy is a, a fair bet, right? Again, no, none of these guys are going to be playing every day, so you do have to have other options in mind when the terms... Well, sorry, excuse me. When it comes to catchers, you have to have other ideas in mind as to how you're going to fill those off days, whether it be by streaming or by having a second guy who can play catcher. Let's move on to Alejandro Kirk, who could be exciting. He's been exciting in spring so far. He's been mashing the ball. I'm worried a little bit about the playing time in Toronto there, and uh, they've been talking about having three catchers on the roster. So he'll probably slot into the DH slot most days. I don't expect him to start behind the plate terribly often. Danny Jansen's job is behind the plate. And I think they like Kirky as a, as a DH. So despite the uh, the low bat, sorry, the low at-bats from last year, only 165, he still hit eight home runs, drove in 24. He can give you some sneaky value. I'd be nice if he could play another position, but I don't think he ever will just because of his build. He's not really made to play anywhere else on the field. Maybe you could stretch him out as a first baseman. He wouldn't be great, but maybe you could try. He's looked great in spring, and he's going to pick 308. So, again, he's someone worth a flyer. Most of these guys are worth flyers at this range. Uh, Christian Vasquez is another one who's going off the board fairly late and is another rare catcher who can actually steal bases for you. He's going off the board at 230. He stole eight bases last year. He didn't hit many home runs, only six. But again, batting in a, in a Red Sox lineup that is very talented has now added Trevor Story. Uh, there shouldn't be much worry. If you're drafting on a, on a talented team, you shouldn't be too worried if the player uh, plays for the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the Blue Jays, teams that are expected to succeed this year, those guys will be automatic good run slash RBI guys, despite batting lower in the lineup. Um, if you're drafting a catcher on a playoff team, they should play most of the games and they should be fairly successful. Look for high-powered offenses when you're drafting. Look for offenses over the last couple of years that have been particularly strong and look for the catcher on those teams because even if they're not great in and of themselves their teammates will elevate them let's go over a couple more catchers here gary sanchez who is now a member of the minnesota twins he's good for power he's going to kill your average he's going to bat about 200 but he's going to hit some decent home runs and maybe he just needed to to get out of new york maybe the new york media was too much he seemed happy after he got traded. He had some quote about uh, he was happy now that he's gone from New York. So maybe that's what he needed. Maybe he needed to just get out of that crazy media market. And, I mean, he's going around pick 223. A lot of these guys, it's they're all, there's so many of them in the 200s. It's really a hard position to make sense of. It's not like a shortstop or a first base or third base where there's so much talent at the top that you don't – we're not really worried about that at this point in the draft. You may get to the mid-200s and not have a catcher. And that's that's okay because there are a lot of options down in this range. And Gary's one of them. Now, if you're going to punt batting average, not that punt formats make so much sense with baseball, but if you're going to not worry about batting average, then he might be someone uh, to look at if you're looking to draft a powerful team. 
and you were uh, excuse me if you're looking at home runs and RBIs more so than batting average, stolen bases, that kind of thing. Let's touch on Adley Rutschman uh, a little bit, who they say is a couple weeks, I believe, behind schedule. He's um, they had to shut him down for what was it, a strained tricep. So he's probably not going to start the year in the major leagues. Uh, this is um, the Baltimore Orioles catcher, Adley Rutschman, who's who was the first overall pick a couple years ago, and last year was the number one prospect in all of baseball. Um, if he continues to slide, he might slide even further than pick 203 because, I mean, the injury, the Orioles, the rookie situation, there are a lot of negative factors there. And I don't believe he has a secondary position. I'm pretty sure he j- he doesn't fantasy-wise. For sure, but I don't think that he actually plays the field at all. He might play a little bit of first, but not that you have fantasy eligibility for. So it's a little risky. He's, I mean, he's mashed in the minor leagues. He has been, he's been exceptional, and he was in college as well. And he's a switch hitter, so there is uh, plenty of value potential there with Rutschman. Uh, like every catcher here, we've talked about today. I'm not jumping up the board to draft these guys because they're all pretty much going in that 200 range. If you want to jump up and draft a real Mudo or Smith and get it over with and you don't have to really worry about catcher, then by all means, you can do that. For me personally, I'm going to be waiting for most of them. Save for maybe JT Real Mudo. I'm going to be waiting outside of the top 100 draft picks just because that, that production is replaceable down the board. There are a lot of good catchers who had decent years last year who were being drafted really really low in the after 300 400 pick range it's there's a ton of value there so i'm not really worried about having there will be some positions we talk about where you want to you want to get one of these guys as quick as you can because they're going to go catcher is not one of those spots just because everybody's pretty much going after pick 200 but if you want to jump and and draft one of those early round guys they may reward you for it. I'd be really careful with Salvador Perez just because, you know, 48 home runs out of a catcher, 120 driven in. It's I would just about bet my life he's not going to do that again. So uh, I'm willing to let him fall in drafts. I'm willing to let all these guys fall in drafts. That's the main message for today. Don't jump for catchers. They will be there. They will be available. They will be on the waiver wire because people will get fed up with the low production and drop catchers who probably shouldn't be dropped. So there are a lot of factors that go into it, but don't use crazy draft capital on these guys because they're not going to give you that kind of crazy production that you might be hoping for. Just a quick recap. Dalton Varsho, for sure, in his draft range, looks really nice. Yasmany Grandal, not too bad as well. Uh, Tyler Stevenson uh, also. And then if you want to take the possible flyer on the rookie, Adley Rushman, then I don't think anybody's going to fault you for it because the last few number one prospects in baseball have all succeeded with flying colors. The last three years of top prospects, I believe, were Otani and Guerrero, and then I think it was Rutschman the year after. So some people will think that he'll be on that kind of track. I think it's more complicated than that because the position he plays and the team he plays for will not be successful. So they're not going to... They're not going to kill him this year in terms of playing time. They're going to ease him in, let him get acclimated to the major leagues. 
and not try and rush him because he is the face of the future of that franchise at the moment. I think we're going to wrap it up there for today, guys. I'd like to thank everybody who tuned in and everybody who's tuned in throughout this whole uh, debut week. I really appreciate the support and the love uh, sharing the the podcast around. And I really appreciate everybody who's followed me on Twitter. It is JoeOrico99, J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. And you can go ahead and follow the Ethos Fantasy BB Twitter account at E-T-H-O-S fantasy bb guys thank you all for listening today i hope you have a great thursday see ya You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.